Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santos, joined, as always, by the Ocean Master, two of my Aquamans. That's right, Kevin. We're brothers, but enemies today. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I'm the Ocean Master. Are you the Wave Keeper? Um, okay. And, and, <laughs> and our very own Volko. That's right. It's Ke- it's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? Godspeed, Spider-Man. <laughs> I mean, I told I told Kevin would like that. Uh, Volko played by Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe, Green Goblin, Spider Man. Hey, you're welcome. I mean, you guys basically summed up the movie. Why don't I, what do we need to do movies on today? Okay, uh, so the and uh, cut. this week in Seahawks news. You guys ready for this? Sure. Uh, yep. Okay, big story. Rashad. I'm Penny. like, there's news. Rashad Penny worked out with Marshall Falk this offseason. Oh my gosh. Oh, he's gonna rush for three thousand yards. I bet he's in the best shape of his life. I bet he can both pass and ca- or run and catch footballs. I okay. bet he's really improved on blank this offseason. I bet he's feeling really good this year. Uh, all draft picks and signed. his new diet. All yeah, he's making him feel trim. Oh my gosh, slim <laughs> and ready. Cody, Cody Barton was the last striker, right? It, make Nathan. it stop. The only thing I hate more than. Uh, Best shape of his life, or X X is working out with Y stories is uh, is that one day contract to retire as a blank. It's like, yeah, we all know Jordy <laughs> Nelson was on the Packers. You don't need to do that. It's stupid. I forgot. Oh this really God. cemented Jordy Nelson's legacy as a Packer. Yeah, that one year he was gone, just it totally ruined it. It drove everything else out of your brain. Well, it tells you that he truly is a Packer for life because it's from here yeah, forward. Not like they couldn't like put his name in the Ring of Honor or do a million other things. No, I like what Aaron Rodgers said about that. He was like, stupid. "Why didn't we just sign him to a full year contract?" Exactly. <laughs> uh, unlike unlike Rob Gronkowski, uh, Jordy, Jordy Nelson is not there if Aaron needs him. Uh, <laughs> whereas whereas Rob says, "If Tom needs me." I'll be there. In all fairness, that would require Aaron to admit that he needs someone okay. else. I have a question for you. How about this? <laughs> Over under three games, playoffs and regular season, Gronkowski next year. Oh. He's not coming back. What if Tom needs him? You're taking He's, the under? I'm taking whatever the I don't I don't think I understand. I understand the question. I don't know which I'm supposed Over to take. Over under three and a half, let's no, say. No, it's about two and a half. Over under two and a half games played, oh, played by Rob Gronkowski played. in the NFL. Under. Under, he's not playing. He's wow, done. You, you are uh, you're in a different headspace than me. I, I really have, think he's coming back. I read an article. I'm gonna hate it. Where he said it was really hard to retire, but now I can't imagine anything different. Of course not. He's par- party. The rock, dude is dude. not. The dude is not working out anymore. Expect him to have a gut in six months. I guarantee so, you, he is working out. It's Rob Gronkowski. You want the dark under? <laughs> yeah. The dark under is where he comes back, but gets injured in the comeback game. No, it's probably the accurate Poor under. Oh well, I mean. Whatever. Nathan, that, back to Seahawks news. Yeah, Seahawks. A gronking to remember. Uh, that's it. Yeah, all everyone signed. Cody Barton was the last straggler. Uh, Dwayne Brown thinks we're gonna have the best uh, offense in, or uh, offensive line in the league. Yeah, I heard that. That's awesome. If it's Jermaine true, Fetty's in the best shape it's, of his life. It's definitely the biggest <laughs> offensive line in the league. They're huge. Like no joke. That line is. They, they are the beefy boys. Big McLarge, huge. Beefy boys are back. Um, offensive lineman, big Chungus. Big Chungus. I like the... I don't know if I like the sound of that. All right. Uh, let's talk about this. A couple NFL stories. Aaron Rodgers on other QBs that are chugging <laughs> beers. For some of them, there's finally a talent where they can say they're better than me. Hey, guess what? Eli Manning can point to both of his rings and look you straight in the eyes. So maybe just shut your damn mouth, Aaron. Because I, I, I get tired of how Aaron Rodgers thinks he's so good. Like the Aaron Rodgers like trash talk about how he's so good. Dog, you won one Super Bowl. Like there's... 
that's the same number of Super Bowls as Trent Dilfer. Like, go out and win something before you come at people. Like, I, I really don't – I think Aaron Rodgers has, like, had a totally overrated prime of his career. Like, he was really good. I agree. But name one player that, like, he made by himself. If you say Jordan Nelson, I'm done. I'm going to walk away because Jordan Nelson would be good regardless. Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb in his stupid sweatshirt that he wears under his jersey. <laughs> God, I hate the Packers so much. It's, like, funny because, like, I hate the team. Like, there's certain teams everyone hates, like the Cowboys and the Patriots. And I don't hate those teams. The teams I hate are, like, the Packers because it's just, like, 10 years of wasted potential. My favorite is that <laughs> ten the years Packers people- were, Nathan's, were Nathan's other team when he was a kid. Yeah, because that's, that's another thing that makes me mad about it is, like, like, 10 years of just, like, they should be better than they totally are. And I wouldn't mind because they have a good fan base. Like, the, fa- the fan-owned thing is really cool. But this stupid coach, Mike McCarthy, and this over overconfident quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, just, I don't know, just drives me nuts. The thing with Aaron Rodgers is he doesn't want to take his team to that next level. He wants to just be good enough by himself kind of thing. I think that Aaron Rodgers has a big, uh, has a bit of the Dan Marino in him. And he's uh he's not healthy anymore. So the days of him winning a Super Bowl are honestly probably over. Uh, and it he, could still happen. It wouldn't be that surprising. It would have. He'd have to rebuild that. Like I forgot because he what is he thirty six? He didn't play for a couple years, you know. And then, yeah, he like, didn't play for like three years. And then he was a four year college coach, thirty five. Yeah. Which um, yeah, you're right. He might be starting the uh, the gentle. Well, he, he hasn't been. Uh, but Drew Brees played till he was a million. So and he's still playing. Yeah. But that's the thing. I think Drew Brees has a better supporting cast. I don't know about Aaron Rodgers. I know he, they had a pretty good draft. That doesn't mean a lot. They're still young players. But, Eric, did you know that that was only the second best trash talk story of the week? Ooh. Though, is it, I thought it was the best because you actually brought Eli Manning out as ammunition, which no, is I a just big to, deal I, for you. I almost wanted to trash on Aaron Rodgers. I, I, didn't, I didn't really. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is really good at football. It's, it's more just like a personal hate. Like, I just fucking hate Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's, not, it. it's, not, it's not like I uh, think he's bad at football. I just dislike him. Uh, okay. Derek Thomas was once flagged three unsportsmanlike penalties in one drive because Shannon Starp was reciting Thomas's girlfriend's phone number before each snap. Ooh. Is that not the like an all-time great trash talk story right there? It, the only thing is, if all the stories are true about Derek Thomas, that could be basically any phone number in the greater Kansas City area. I don't know, man. I think that's like go- goat-tier trash talk. That like, is that quality is, trash talk. Did that come from Shannon good. Sharp, by the way? Um, it was... Because I want to hear that. I want to hear Shannon talk about it. Definitely didn't come from Derek Thomas. I have, <laughs> I have no idea. It's from... Um, Sorry. It's an old Sports Illustrated article that detailed... How how Derek Thomas felt bad. I don't know. They, um, the SB Nation Mile High Report dug it up. So <laughs> Kevin's losing it over here. Um, okay, that's no, that's pretty good. That's right. pretty good. How about this? Uh, James Brooks, NFL player. James Brooks was uh, found to be illiterate when he couldn't was unable to read court documents after admitting to not paying over a hundred k in child support. When the judge asked how he graduated from Auburn without being able to read, he said, "Didn't have to go to class." Which I mean, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to go. You don't, you don't have to go to college to know how to read. For one, it's just it's just kind of a depressing news story. Just from like a how many levels of our society failed him? Like he got our society failed him every step of the way. Yes, <laughs> though I am reminded of the Cardale Jones uh, comment he got a lot of crap for. Uh, they didn't give us a scholarship to play class. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know if it was Quentin Jammer. I don't want to misspeak. But it was uh, someone in the Chargers secondary about six years ago who um, had the same thing. He was illiterate, and 
he he refused to speak on the Espen story, and the the interviewed his tutor, and he was like, she was like, yeah, this is this was oh, someone who should not have even made it to high school. That was the UNC guy. I can't think of his name. It, I, I I was not. Maybe it wasn't Quentin Jammer, but it was. I if you said the name, I'd be like, oh, that's it. But anyway, pretty right. sad, and it's it's honestly that's a tragedy. And I'm gonna go from kind of a downer to an all time upper. Eric, are you ready for this? Bring me up. All right. Dreams do come true. The Oakland Raiders are this year's Hard Knocks team. Ooh. That... Is I'm going to get a, HBO. Is there a single announcement that could have excited you more for Hard Knocks than that? Not only do they have, like... If they were canceling oh, it and bringing uh, Monday Night Football to John Gruden, that would have been better. Uh, not only do the Raiders have, like, a, a batshit crazy set of veterans that they could, like, key in on. You know, we could get... This year could be a year where we get something as great as uh, Antonio Cromarty not remembering the names of all of his kids. I think that is um, that is a very very real possibility. But they have a wild set of rookies, and this show usually focuses a bit on on rookies. So I'm pretty excited about that as well. Um, Kevin, how are your feelings about the uh, the Oakland Raiders? Uh, uh, I think it's going to be an absolute train wreck. So uh, that should be really fun to watch. I do agree. There's interesting rookies, big personalities, quarterback drama to play out. Um, I don't watch Hard Knocks or care about it. But if you're the type of person who does, then I think that's for you. The memes will be out of control this year. Like That's what I'm looking forward to. I can follow everything I need on Twitter. <laughs> like seven and nine bullshit. We're gonna we're gonna top that easy this year, no problem, without breaking a sweat. Uh, I feel way, so Eric, bad for David Carr. Was the defensive back you're thinking of Mo Claiborne, who scored a four on the Wonderlick? Actually, which no. Would make you functionally illiterate. The sad thing is, I honestly think it was a Cromarty. That's when that's what I was trying to mouth to you when Nathan said that. I was like, wait, there was a Cromarty on the Chargers. I think that was it. Um, we're gonna get to the bottom of this Antonio. Story. Antonio was on the Chargers. There you go. Um, okay. Also. Uh, yeah, that's bad. Near for Hall him. of Famer Dexter Manley was apparently a what is also this? illiterate. Every time I look at the Oakland Raiders roster, I get so it just weirds me out. I because I'm I, you know I I get bored that's, and I just look at teams' rosters and try to think about like what was their roster construction like. This roster is constructed for a deep ball quarterback, so not Derek Carr. It's just like Antonio Brown, Tyra Williams, J.J. Nelson, and Ryan Grant. Who's their backup quarterback? Mike Glennon, my man. Wait, wait, who's their third string <laughs> quarterback? Kevin. Uh. Marcus Tuiasosopo, hey. Tommy Maddox. Hey, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys heard earlier, but I, I said that there was meme potential on this team. Their third string quarterback is Peter Mann. Peter Mann. Nathan Peterman. Okay, uh, Yolo Ball. Let's get right to it. Uh, this week we were talking about the AFC. Guess we should have gone after friggin' Rosen. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I th- is Rosen really that much better than than Carr? Uh, he can throw a deep. That's true. I did not think of it that way, about how he just might be a better scheme fit for what it seems like they want to do. For a second round pick? Yeah. All right, so we're going alphabetical by city name, Kevin. Did you did did I did I, I did it this time. Okay, good. I I'm, I didn't want to throw I didn't want to throw you with the uh, We're good. I figured the, out your pattern. The first one. Okay, so I've cracked the code. Uh we'll start off with the Ravens. The Ravens uh, added Seth Roberts, Mark Ingram, and Earl Thomas. They already dropped Eric Weddle, CJ Mosley, and Terrell Suggs. Uh, they drafted uh, Hollywood Brown, Jalen Ferguson, and Miles Boykin. And the Seahawks connection for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, secondary player for the Baltimore Ravens, Stanley Jean-Baptiste used to be a Seahawk. You guys like that little bait and switch? Yeah, that was good. That was <laughs> Got, good. Gotcha, but that's true. That's also true. Okay, 
Uh, Ravens were 10-6 last year. They started out with Flacco, and they decided, you know what, we're going to run option all day with our with our running quarterback, Lamar Jackson, and just kind of abandon Flacco, and it worked. They're like, we go run. They were kind of in on this at the beginning, weren't you, Nathan? I was all about the Lamar, Lamar Jackson will get in. Now, here's the problem with this team, all right? They allowed a second best in the league, 287 points last year, and they lost some key pieces on defense. Now, Earl will replace some of that, but they're going to need to get serious production from either Jalen Ferguson, who they drafted, or some guys who I think are mildly questionable. So, for me... Yeah, Shane Ray or Pernell McPhee is going to have to do some work. Like, Tyus Bowser needs to become a a dude. Like, he needs to not get three and a half sacks. So, like I said, Shane Ray or Pernell McPhee are going to have to do some work. Uh... So they end up with Shane Ray, yeah. Oh, I didn't. I didn't see that on my chart. Oh wait, did Shane Ray get hurt last year? Uh, weak side linebacker. Yep. Did he get hurt last year? Yes, he did. He only played eleven games. That's why. Okay. Uh, okay. So then, yeah, I just don't. I'm not crazy excited about this. They're gonna play three four about, and they're gonna try to make it happen. They have great safeties again, Jefferson and Thomas. They have great cornerbacks. I like Car Smith and Humphrey. I think that's like a really solid secondary. Their offense has very interesting pieces. Uh, interesting. I love how. their wide receiver draft. Yeah, just drafting uh, Marquise Brown. Brown and Miles Boykin. Yeah. That's adding a lot of athleticism on the outside. And if Willie Sneed can not be sucky, that would be good in the slot. Yeah. Then I like Ingram. I think that's a good solid add. He can run. He can he can catch. Uh, they they really got a good good dude there. They have a good backup. So like if Lamar Jackson just isn't panning out. Like they. His accuracy issues become a big well, go, problem. Let's go back to their running Robert back. Robert Griffin the third is is I think a really serviceable NFL backup. And I really like the guy they picked up, uh, Justice Hill, in the draft out of Oklahoma State. Yeah. That's a guy who can uh, catch and uh, run the ball. This, this is going to be a team that uses more than one running back for sure. Gus Edwards is definitely going to get some burn after what he did last year. He averaged like five point two yards a rush last year, and I think that that's that's going to be a big big dude for them. They if, have if they go bell cow, line, that'll be through him. Their offensive line is super solid. I, I really think their offensive line is is good. Marshall Yenda rules. He's still real good. They have a they have a good offensive line, and it seems like they're really going with the every back will be a versatile back, so you can't really say, oh, this guy's going to run because it's this down. This is a passing guy. They have guys that can do both, Agreed. not all three. It's, they, they, it's they interesting. Want, they want to do the, the, the run pass uh, option kind of stuff that other teams were doing two years ago, and some people are saying run pass option might be dead this year. Well, Baltimore is going to really put that to the test. Yes, they're going to they're going to still try to hang on to that. Also, sneaky sneaky interesting move. Uh, they picked up Ben Powers out of Oklahoma in the draft, and they could theoretically slot him in at right guard next to former offensive linemate Orlando Pace Jr. Orlando Brown Jr. Orlando Brown Jr. Sorry, and and I, I don't like doing that just because I don't want to move Marshall Yanda from wherever he is most comfortable. I thought Marshall Yanda was already on the left. He played right guard oh, my last year. I don't, or <clears throat> then he got hurt. But yeah, I mean, they could, he's probably fine. Marshall Yanda has got so a really good. interesting offensive line, is the point. I yeah. agree. Um, yeah, two time all pro, Marshall Yanda. Okay, so uh, yeah, Baltimore Ravens. I'm, uh, I'm tentatively, this is tough for me. I don't, I'm not, uh, I think they win the division. I'm going to go out there and say it. I think they're going to be 10 and 6 again. Eric. I don't know about winning the division. I like your 10-6. and six. I think that's a little optimistic because this team is really young. They reloaded, and I don't love their pass rush. I don't think Earl is going to play a full season. I'm sorry. What a jerk thing to say. 
because I love Earl. I might change this later, but I'm going to go 9 and 7. Uh, you're going to notice a theme to certain aspects of the record in this division. Uh, I think that their secondary is good enough to make up for the pass rush taking a step back, but I think in general there's a chance for a regression to the mean on their pass coverage. Their offense is going to be super all or nothing. There's going to be games like, was it the second uh, Chargers game when they just couldn't do anything? There's going to be games like that, and you can scheme against them in an effective way. And I don't know if I trust the offensive side of this coaching staff to work their way out of that. I have them going 8-8, eight 3-3 eight, three and three in the division. It's just, I think Harbaugh's creative. Like I, I thought he showed a lot of like creativity and willing to willingness to bend last year. I feel and like I'm taking the basement at eight and eight. I just feel yeah. like this is a team that could very easily fall into that basement. Uh, keep an eye on the tight ends though in the past game. That is something I want to see. All right, Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals uh, added BW Webb, John Miller, and Kerry Wynn, and lost Vantaze Burfick, Tyler Croft, and Tom Savage. I I looked at their roster for a really long time, and I'm gonna say I don't really feel like they did anything this off season. It's like they basically ran back the predominantly useful players from their roster last year. Um, and they drafted Jonah Williams, Drew Sample, and Jermaine Pratt. So Cincinnati Bengals, I really think that your opinion on this team is going to be colored by how you feel about them just in general. Uh, how you feel about their new coach, Zach Taylor, and just how you feel about like Andy Dalton. So I'll start with you, Eric. How do, how do those things make you feel? <clears throat> I feel like Andy Dalton on another team, a team built around success, could have been a better quarterback. Hell, we he was a rumored Seattle Seahawks quarterback for many years uh, after after he was drafted. Hey, we could have got Andy Dalton. Um, AJ Green looks like he's going to at least start the year, which is pretty cool. Um, beyond that, I feel like, yeah, they didn't really do a lot this offseason. Uh, addition by subtraction with Marvin Lewis, but I really don't know. Zach Brown? I don't. Is that the Zach Taylor? Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. I'm sorry. Coach. I I don't know anything about this guy. You see who the offensive coordinator is, right? Oh, Jim Bob Cooter. Brian Callahan, the Ooh. offensive line magician. Yeah, Brian. Which I mean, this team desperately needs a line help. So I think that they're getting it though. I mean, they're they're going to be healthier than they were last year. And the Jonah Williams Joe was Williams a first a round draft pick, and that's like a big that's a big boy to put at right tackle. And then they drafted Juice Drew Sample, which makes me think that they're going to play a lot with like an inline tight end. Or at least they're going to try to play some with inline tight end. Because Eifert is basically a glorified wide receiver. Well, there's two things they're looking. They're talking about doing. They're either going to start uh, Jonah Williams at left tackle and move Cordy Glenn into guard and start Bobby Hart at the other tackle. Oof. Or they'll be starting Cordy Glenn and Jonah Williams at the two tackle spots. I think no matter what, it represents an upgrade on their O-line. I think that also just says a lot about how bad their O-line was, though. I mean, Cordy, Cordy Glenn is hurt all the time, so I get relying on him is tough but if he's healthy he's good so you just have to hope that he just stays healthy my my hot take is cincinnati is not as bad as everyone thinks they are a lot of people will dumpster this team but i think they're pretty solid for seven and nine eight and eight something like that uh oh seahawks connection long snapper tyler ott came to the seahawks from the Bengals. uh Ooh, i actually had several choices in there but I, I like that one um i'm gonna go Bengals at seven and nine eric what's your record i'm i'm falling right in the non-hot take I'm going to go five and eleven with the Bengals. I believe that they're going to blow up this team. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded Andy Dalton. This is a this is a team really going nowhere, and they've been going nowhere for years. And also, like Kevin said with the Ravens, 
this is my this is my basement record. It's five and eleven. I think they could be up at six and ten, but not much higher. Uh, the more I looked at this team, the more I felt like they lost very little and added a bit. I don't think that their roster, like you said, is is incredibly different. But I do think that the offensive change-ups will be enough to get a little bit more out of it. And the defense, I think, fluked in a bad way last year. I mean, they were in the they were in the bottom end of the they, NFL. In defensive DVOA, they were 27th overall, 25th in the path, 26th in the run. And this I, is a roster that includes uh, you know, William Jackson the uh, third, Jesse Bates the third, and we all know that the thirds are always really good. And then Drake or Patrick <laughs> doesn't suck. Like that's a no. that's a solid corner to have there. I feel like it was a it was fluky in a bad way. So just with regression to the mean, this is a team that strikes me as seven and nine. Wow. Three and three in the division. I th- I think there's significant upside with Cincinnati. I'm just gonna throw that out there. If like Sam Hubbard can be a dude and get like fourteen sacks, or uh, Carlos Dunlap can find the fountain of youth and get there, they need to generate a little more pass rush. If that happens, Cincinnati could be a fringy wildcard team. I, Honestly, I think I'm their not, linebacker core is upgraded by just not having the liability of Vontez Perfect anymore, too. I, I just, I don't think they're that bad. There's just like... Yeah, they're right a lot around of people, 500. A lot of people are dumpstering them because they're overhyping our next team. Cleveland Browns, 7-8-1 last year. They added Odell Beckham, Sheldon Richardson, and Olivier Vernon. They lost Jamie Collins, Jabril Peppers, and backup quarterback Tyrod Taylor. Their only two first three-round draft picks were Greedy Williams and Sione Takitaki. Um, Seahawks connection. Well, Seahawks uh, outside linebacker Barkevius Mingo was originally drafted by Cleveland. I'll tell you, I have like 11 choices for this. There's a lot of ex-Cleveland players on the Seahawks. Yeah, they've done a lot of deals. Um, okay. So, kind of wish Kevin, it was the other way. Off. What do you, how do you feel about the Browns? This is America's darling. All right, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the additions of Odell Beckham uh, to go with other additions to bolster the wide receiver core recently. I feel like Kevin Zeitler was a player they could afford to lose. Olivia Vernon does give him a second legitimate pass rushing threat, which adds something they need on the defense. And Sheldon Richardson is a very good player. So. And asking Morgan Burnett to step in and do what Jabril Peppers wasn't doing that well, I don't think is that much to ask. I think uh, Greedy Williams is an interesting question mark. How does he handle this scheme? But if he can be as valuable as we think he is, even in a zone-heavy situation, that's going to really bring up the oftentimes poor outside corner play they had last year. They had really good play from Ward, but their other corners were up and down, and they also had a lot of trouble just keeping a body in there on the regular. So I think overall we're looking at a talent upgrade and a coaching upgrade, which means this team is moving up, but there were a lot of things that factored into them being able to reach for mediocrity last year. And I think something that we know about the NFL is the climb to respectable is much easier than the climb to good. And so, so let's say it's seven nine and one seven eight and one. That's that's respectable. Seven eight and one is respectable. Um, Maybe eight, should eight, I give my uh, should I give my record now? No. Um, let me let me just say a couple things before you do. Um, I think they caught a little bit of lightning in a bottle last year. Uh, I think hiring Freddie Kitchens to to be your full time head coach is uh, a little aggressive. It's a bold move, Cotton. I do not totally understand uh, why they did that. He has a really good relationship with the quarterback, your young quarterback, which I like. 
But if you just told him, hey, we want you to be our OC still and we're going to hire a different head coach, I don't think he would have argued with it. Uh, I'm not sure that having having Freddie Kitchens back, it's either going to really work or it's really not. The and, offense looked way better under Freddie Kitchens in the second half of the year and their uh, big play potential, um, their passing numbers, everything looked much, much better. But again, you're moving a guy from in charge of the offense to in charge of the whole team. How many offensive coordinators don't make that jump well? Yeah, and then... And then uh, right, and you just have to wonder, like, okay, Todd Munkin, we know he's good, but then he gets to hire his DC and his special teams coach, and I don't know. And this defensive, outside of Miles Garrett, this defense does not like pump me up. I'm like, Denzel Ward's pretty good, Sheldon Richardson's okay, but I don't really understand why they just gave up on Emmanuel Ogba like that. And there's a bunch of things about this roster construction that just kind of bother me. I don't like their deep offensive tackles that much. I'm, I think they'll they have a lot of weapons on offense. They they have a couple dudes on defense who are, are pretty good. Their draft this year too. They picked like those two guys that they picked, Taki Taki and Greedy Williams, are both serious character questions. And that's really trusting your culture where it's where you have no culture. When they bring in those two guys plus Odell Beckham, and they already had Jarvis Landry, they're really trusting that they have a good culture setter. That's a lot of stuff to put on Baker Mayfield's shoulders. And I understand that Baker is maybe ready for that. He is. He does seem like a culture setter. But that's a lot to put on one guy, right? It's yeah. Basically, he's got to keep that all together. He's got to keep everyone in line. He's got to keep the egos in check. And it's a big well, ask Don't for forget a guy. Antonio Callaway, too. It's a big ask for a guy who is, what, 24 years old. That's just not That's not easy. For, it's not going to be easy for him to do to rein everyone in. It's a lot of swagger to manage. I think Cleveland Browns have an up-and-down year. That's that's my prediction, is that the, the highs are really high and the lows are inexplicably low it does not make any sense what kind of weirds me out is that baker mayfield he's taken the leadership role and he's taken it to the press and he said things like duke johnson the third is you know do you want to be with this team or not because duke johnson's asked for a trade and i mean why would duke johnson want to be with this team they went out and got kareem hunt yeah and like, it makes sense but he's go, go i would be so mad if i'm duke johnson because i'm good at football i can yeah. play i can play wide receiver and running back and do both well not only that i'm good at both i'm not mad if i was nick chubb because uh, i'm already I, I'm already then, cream. They, then they then they go out and they get a guy who kicked a lady in the chest. Like that's yeah, like I said, just another. It's just question. addition for no reason. But with that with that news, you have then Odell Beckham Jr. skipping OTAs and Baker Mayfield doesn't say a thing, and that tells me that he's maybe he probably just doesn't want to step on that tack. I don't know. I do not like Odell Beckham Jr. I think for the Giants to get rid of him a year after signing him to an extension is saying a lot, especially when you're the Giants. I have this team also having pretty up and down year and missing the playoffs. Forget all the hype. They still have to play football, and there will be teams that scheme against them, and it will give them fits, like Nathan said, with their tackles. Not crazy about those tackles, unless we're talking defensive tackles or defensive ends. I like their D-line. What's your record? I was going to let you go first, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin, you go. You led, man. Uh, So I like the moves on defense. I think the talent trumps all in the end. And I also actually like Steve Wilkes to be able to manage a defense. When he was just has to be a DC, he did a really good job of it. He was the DC of those Carolina teams, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, He can handle that scheme. I know Ron Rivera was uh, kind of a defensive coach, but still. Uh, I... I think they take a step forward. I just don't think it's as big a step as everyone else thinks it's going to be. I have them at nine and seven, three and three in the division. Um, I have Cleveland at, at eight and eight, and I see the upside that everyone else does. 
they definitely could go 12 and 4 11 they could be anyone and dominate they but i see serious downside here if if it falls apart it will be ugly and this team will tear itself apart and it will be very very bad so that that's the kind of downside that i see i think they kind of tread water and have enough cap room and draft capital next year to really make the big leap next year uh so eight and eight for me this year eric uh, I have them also climbing to respectability at nine and seven, and if they do somehow go twelve and four, they will lose in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> I will bet. I'll bet so much money against them. Let's just let's just hedging that bet bet right now. All I right. gotta see who they're playing. Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers are adding Stephen Nelson, Dante Moncrief, and Mark Barron. They are lost Cody Sensabaugh, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell. They drafted Devin Bush, Justin Lane. Deontay Johnson, Seattle connection. Mariners draftee Trey Griffey is on the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. How about Yuck. that? Son of Ken. It's pretty cool, right? Okay. Um, the young boy who was rushed out of the kingdom as the tiles fell from the ceiling is now on the Pittsburgh Steelers. So here's my <laughs> here's my thing about the the Steelers. Their defense three years ago, their defense was very bad. They have spent a lot of draft picks in the last couple of years trying to fix that, and I think it is working. Um, last year, their defense made a, a significant jump to from terrible to respectable, and this year, uh, Devin Bush coming in and Justin Lane coming in, I think they make another small jump up to slightly above average. I'm not willing to go full-on good yet. Um, and Isaiah Bugs in a 3-4, is uh, that that's actually like a really interesting fit to me. Yes. It's, you just get that, like, him as a, like a defensive end in a 3-4 in a defensive end rotation is, is pretty nice. Um, I like picking Benny Snell to back up, back up James Conner. I think that's a really good draft pick. And Deontay Johnson, I'm going to be honest, I didn't really have him circled on my draft board for as a wide receiver to watch. But if Pittsburgh drafted him, he's going to be fucking awesome because every wide receiver they draft turns out to be like a solid 10 out of 10, right? He was like, on my list and I was very sad. Yeah, so Deontay Johnson is probably going to rule. I'm, I'm already just getting getting myself in that mental state. Um, that being said, Ben Roethlisberger is old and I think he is the weak link on this team. If they had a younger, better quarterback, I'd be super in on Pittsburgh. I like almost everything else about them. I like their, I think their, their offensive line, although old, is still very talented. Juju Smith-Schuster has made the leap. He is a true number one quarterback. James Conner, Jalen Samuels, and Benny Snell for a very strong running back trio. And like I said, the defense is getting good. TJ Watt, Devin Bush, and Mark Barron will be excellent at linebacker for them. In addition to Joe Hayden and Terrell Edmonds holding down, holding it down in the secondary. I like them for 9-7 and seven because I just don't think Ben Roethlisberger is good enough. Uh, it's really all on him. He, they will go as far as Ben takes them. If Ben is broken down Ben from last year, they will struggle all year. Um, he's 37 years old, and he's more broken down than most of the other quarterbacks, I think, in my opinion. Um, but if he's awesome, if Ben has a renaissance year, then Steelers will have a renaissance year, and they will be very good. Um, all right, Eric, what do you think about the Steelers? Yeah, in the effort of <clears throat> kind of keeping this short, you also said most of the things I want to say. I really like how this team has been constructed, minus Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not low on Tomlin. Like our good friend Kevin Garber over here, um, Tomlin is. I am. Tomlin don't is you the, not like Tomlin? Tomlin's I'm the, fine. Tomlin's the vanilla ice cream of coaches. Um, he is, I think he he's better. Than, a, I think he's you'll like eat vanilla ice cream if you if you have I to. I think he's like pralines but, and cream. But wouldn't you rather just have some toppings on top of that vanilla ice cream? And the toppings are the coordinators. Like if he has good coordinators, he's excellent. And when he has like medium coordinators, he's you, medium. You can't have good coordinators when you're that grouchy, Nathan. Um, um, and that flavorless. 
I don't know. I thought he had a great personality on House. <laughs> Wrong team favored, Kevin. Uh, no, I feel like the <laughs> the Steelers are a better team than nine and seven. Uh, I guess we're given records already, Kevin. I'll let you kind of explode on the Steelers, but I have this team going twelve and four, winning Ooh. the division. Yeah, yeah, it's high. I don't think reach. Ke- I don't think Kevin's gonna go. Super high. I know. I already know what Kevin's going to say because I've been paying attention. Really? What do you think? Super medium. Did you want him to say it? Three and three in the division and (laughs) nine and seven. seven. Three and three in the division. You know, I might be getting predictable in my old age, but I have the Pittsburgh Steelers going nine and seven, three and three in the division. So, Kevin, I'm going to ask you: like, if you were asked to handicap the district, you have a district. Yes, District Three. Uh, yes, Hunger Games. That's where uh, we're at. But uh, if you were division, if you were asked to handicap this division, you have all these teams really close together. Yep. What? If you were forced at gunpoint, I got to make a pick. What's my team? It's life or death. I got to pick who's going to win the NFC North. Cleveland. You pick Cleveland. Wow. I pick Cleveland by a hair. I feel like you... Okay, so the volatility situation is real on all these teams. Uh Um, Last year, Ben Roethlisberger's passing was propped up by murdering Carolina in Week 10. He threw for 328 yards and five touchdowns, no picks. Um, He had... Uh, two three-interception games. He had four multi-interception games. He had multiple fumbling games. I mean, this is not good. Uh, he was kind of a turnover machine for big chunks of last year. And he's getting older and more injured. It, you're not looking at an upward trajectory in this man's career. Um, his running numbers are going down. His passing numbers are becoming less efficient. yards per attempt last year. He's throwing the ball a lot for not a lot of gain. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster stepping up. I really like Washington, the wide receiver core. I believe exactly what you said. I think this offense is really capped by Big Ben, and they're going to have tied themselves to him for one too many years. And I think the defense is one year away. It's funny we're ragging on the guy who threw for like 5,000 yards last year, but it's... It's just tough. You watch Death him. You watch, you watch him play, and one, he led the league in interceptions last year, so that's not good. And and two, you just watch him play, and he, it's just the way he moves is labored now. It's not he does not move like he like he used to, you know. And if that offensive line wasn't so special, I could see him getting hurt in the first first couple weeks. Man, he used a, to stay up when he got hit and make a throw, and now he crumples, and it looks like oh, he's not getting back up. He he, that offensive line is really special, and it, it is what. If the offensive line stays healthy, it's and Ben can stay healthy and good. Like the sky's the limit for this. Except team. they lost the right tackle. Marquis Pouncey's getting older still. They're all those guys are older. Foster's older. Uh, Villanueva is older. They're Villanueva. All old. People don't think about how old he is because he had that mil- he had that military stint. But he's a, he's an older he's an older gentleman. He's a distinguished elder statesman of the offensive line. And so, I, I think I think you have to question. Can Ben move around well enough to give the O-line the room it needs? I mean, Dante Moncrief was a big ad. Bruh. It's Dante Moncrief. Hey, man, actually, Moncrief had he's some fine. decent... I actually he's like, like, Dante, receiver. That's actually a like Dante Moncrief as like a outside guy. You put Juju in the slot and then sure. you, you have... And James Washington's really good. Just, like, like, I mean, you can YOLO ball it, but, like, I don't, you know, their pass rush is TJ Watt and maybe Devin Bush develops quickly. Well, I think Devin Bush, is, they, they see him as a as a coverage solution in the middle of the field, which is something they kind of desperately needed. Cool, so we're relying on Bud Dupree to actually do something? That ship sailed. 
So I don't know yeah, really I don't, if their I don't pass know rush is anything. Their pass rush will be good. TJ Watt was, what, second in the league in sacks last year? I don't like their secondary. TJ Watt is is their pass rush. I mean, if you're going to have just TJ Watt as your pass rush, you could do way worse for pass rush. I'm just, just saying. Just ask JJ Watt. I think their defense is going to be similar to what it was last year, and their offense is going to probably take a step back. And they were 10-6 and six last year? No. No, they were nine, six, and one. They were nine, six, and, and they one. They barely missed the playoffs. So I have them nine and seven. I, I think they're going to be a very similar product. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they got weird interior pass rush last year from like Hayward and Hargrave. Hayward got eight sacks and Hargrave got six and a half. So they can generate pass rush even without just those outside guys doing all the work. Did their pressure numbers reflect? I, I don't have that in front of me. Um, I can look in just a second. Do you want to Okay. Uh, so vamp, vamp for like thirty seconds and I'll find it. To kind of pass the same question around, Eric. So you have Pittsburgh running away with the division. What makes you so confident? <clears throat> the fact that Ben Roethlisberger is older, but I feel like what he's got two years on his contract. Um, yeah, but he's got like twelve six packs on his gut. <laughs> yes, he does. And I, I don't mean the muscle ones. I feel like he, he did. He did heal a little up in this off season. I think he's probably going to put everything into this last season. I like the gains in their defense, and their receiving core is going to make Ben look good. Many, also, their running backs can do everything better than the Ravens. How many game. pressures do you think Bud Dupree had last year? Uh, 30. 46. That's pretty good. And TJ Watt had 52. Cameron Hayward had 59. All right. So that sounds pretty sustainable. Steven Tua had 41. Like, they, they have, yeah, they have a... I think that they're, they're... You know, I'm a little worried about, like, one of these guys needs to be really great again, right? But... I don't know. One of them probably will be. And they T.J. Need Watt is a really bad pressures. coverage player. Yep. Wow, I didn't. But that's not, know not what that. you're paying him for. Yeah, you're not. You're paying him to rush the passer and tackle run run, run running backs. Yep, and he does all those things. Yeah, 40, I mean, he's he's a he's a pass rush side. He's a forty seven run stops. T.J. Watt, man, what a what a dude. Strong okay. side linebacker to three four. That's yeah. the, the, he does it. Yeah, he's awesome. Okay. Good on him. Um, let's say I, I'm just saying I don't see a huge degree of separation between really any of these teams. But especially Pittsburgh, if, Cleveland, and Baltimore. If you ask me which team has like the best overall talent, I probably would pick the Steelers. But it's close between Steelers and Browns, and then Ravens are right there. And I might say that the team I like, like I like Baltimore's defense a lot. It's very predictable. Their secondary is really good, and I can deal with a D line that's a little deficient when the secondary is that good. Yeah, they're going to be able to hopefully scheme up some pass rush, right, and get make that happen. And I mean, they have a uh, they have weak. Martindale as their DC, he's really good. <laughs> they, that they, dude needs a head coaching job. Another thing too is their Hollywood Brown is the most plug and play of all the wide receivers in this year's draft. Yep. he will be he will be ready to run a professional level route tree immediately. I'm I think Baltimore has a, has the highest ceiling out of the, any of these teams, but that ceiling is predicated on if their quarterback can actually throw like a quarterback. What's weird is there's like three teams with legitimate 13 win ceilings in this division, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Steelers, but they also all have like seven win downside. Exactly. The, Ra- the Ravens, their offense could be a total mess. The Browns, the Egos could be a total mess. And the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger could be a total mess. It's just a, it's a really odd division, and I think it's one of the most fun ones to try to figure out. So if you have a strong opinion on it, please send us a message. Let us know. Um, I know everyone wants to root for the Browns just because it's the best story, but try to try to take narrative out of it because yes, the nar- the narrative the Browns are good is pretty is pretty sweet. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, uh, let's say you want to help out the Seahawks podcast. There are many ways to do so, but the best way to do so is head over to patreoncom slash Nest and join the uh, Tenacious Thirty with uh, 
and giving us as little as $1.24 a month, you get access to our group chat, uh, which I think has been pretty fun lately. Uh, you get access to our betting podcast during the regular season and a couple a little goodies during the summer while me and Kevin are not working at the schools. So thank you to Forrest James, Chuck Attila, Tom, Lucas, Carrie. I'm going to do extra shout-outs today. Bob, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Flocktimus, Prime, Thanks, Arthur, shouts. Frank, Michelle, Brian, and Nick. We also... Guys, we are getting so close My to man. our iTunes five-star goal. Uh, our five-star goal, we are... How many away do you think we are? 14, 13? We're 12 away. 12 away. No, we're al- we got another one today, but since I looked. We're 11 away. Yes. Okay, I'm going nice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read... Uh, this one says, for any true Seahawks, this is from M Zenmaker right here. From any true Seahawks fans, great way to know what's going on with the Hawks. These guys know football and provide great insight. P.S. Eric is my favorite. So there you go, Eric. What can I say? The, uh, the, I, I get it. Thanks. Thanks, Michelle. Yeah, That's but this, 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 this one, uh, this one though, uh, this one was my favorite. This guy says, uh, I eagerly await it. Oh, wait, it's re- this is from Maxim MG. I really eagerly await its release every Tuesday night, then stay up late listening to it. The best, Jerry. The best. <laughs> which, which <laughs> That's really one I love. Yeah. And you know another thing I like is that if you look at top related podcasts, uh, pardon my takes number three, and I'm just gonna say, uh, uh, you know what, my guy, uh, my guy, Big Cat, and. Uh, and uh, PFT, that that's a I'm, I'm I'm proud to be in a in a grouping with those idiots. So all right, anything else you guys wanna you wanna uh, plug here? Oh wait, yeah, of course I got to do the the non money plugs. You're poor. You're like me. You're you're a teacher, and you can't support the Seahawks any other way. Head over to Facebook, Twitter, uh, SoundCloud. Go to iTunes. Give us a five star review. Go go anywhere and give us a five star review. Uh, it really helps people find the podcast, um, and really makes me happy in my heart. Interact, um, reach out, yeah. say some stuff. Add us. Yeah. Won't you? Add us. I should check Twitter and see if anyone added us. Uh, but people did, but I'm going to try not to ignore it this time. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you all. Um, all right. The movie zone today. Before we do movie zone, can I talk about a, a tweet that I retweeted today that I just thought was so great that um, I think Kevin will love? Do it, Doug. Chad Johnson tweeted this today and I retweeted it. I'm showing up to Dolphins camp in full gear. Either they give me a chance or I go to jail for trespassing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Chad Johnson is. Oh my gosh. Um, I love. Yeah. Stay in school, kids. <laughs> what a what a what a dork. Um, I like how he too. He says he's in his Twitter bio. He brags that he's cheap, which I don't think is something I would ever want to to brag about. But um, I would I would be like. Uh, I'll have it. I'm very frugal, you know. Don't, don't call yourself cheap. Come on, come on. That was Chad. a man who Marketing. would talk about how he would have two egg McMuffins every morning on his way to training, and he'd say, "Not can eat these because I train. Y'all should be eating this." And I'd be like, "I think it's gonna catch up to you," and it did. All right. Um, the another thing is, I uh, I wanted to like uh, plug the uh, the UK Seahawkers pedestrian podcast. They're they're they're. Uh, they're they're uh, they're really bringing it. How about that? <laughs> they're doing a good job. So check them out. Uh, and then also, you know, check out check out some other Seahawks podcasts. There's some good ones out there. Uh, the regular Seahawkers podcast, uh, Beast Pode. I've been listening to a lot of Seahawks podcasts lately just to see kind of what everyone else is up to. And I've been very impressed by. We're lucky. We are blessed as a fan base to have like multiple people putting out decent content. That's a fact. Um, so I'm I'm uh, I just wanted to, to give a shout out to some of those other podcasts. Okay, um, the. Movies on today. All right. 
So I said in the group chat on Saturday, hey guys, I'm watching Aquaman right now. We should all watch Aquaman and then um, and then do it on the on the podcast for Movie Zone. And Kevin goes, That's great. Can you show it tomorrow in the group in the group viewing room, which we have like a group viewing room, it's like an app. Uh, and he uh, I'm like, on Sunday. And I'm like, sure, but I'm gonna be busy, so you gotta remind me, I'm gonna forget. And then, then we then ended Kevin, up playing basketball. Then we ended up playing <laughs> basketball and Kevin forgot. I'm gonna put it in quotes because I think he just really didn't want to watch Aquaman. Uh, I think he was trying Dude, to. We played basketball until like quarter after nine. I'm just joking. There's a zero percent uh, chance I was going to remember. Uh, but but uh, but so we ended up playing basketball, and then I was really busy the rest of the day, and so I'm the only one that watched Aquaman. My man. And uh, so I'm gonna kind of tell you guys about how I feel about Aquaman. Um, okay, one, this movie is like really long. It's like two hours and twenty minutes for some reason. I don't really understand. It's 143 minutes. Okay, I just guessed two hours and twenty minutes based on how it felt. I don't understand why it's so long. Um, but James Wan is a filmmaker because they had to fit all of those songs in there. You said James Wan is a filmmaker, okay? But that, that is, a, I'm telling you right now, that guy is a guy who makes fun movies that are blockbuster I, I, success. Not, I'm sorry, box office successes, but they're all pretty long. And I think he is really happy with his films. Yeah, I, okay. The James Wan stuff in this movie. There's a couple scenes. Um, he does this a couple times where it shows like longer shots um where stuff is underwater and it's tracking up towards the surface and then or it's stationary on the border between the surface and the water and he uses light in a really interesting way to like frame up a shot those shots are so cool in this movie there's one where like a like a creature is trying to chase after aquaman and eat him there's one where a swarm of um uh from the depths is chasing aquaman uh and and he's going down, and that one's really, with a flare, that one is really cool, too. Um, there are some, like, really excellent shots in this movie um, that I think are, like, I mean, for a popcorn movie, this movie is really, I think this movie's pretty cool. I, I would recommend this movie to anyone who likes superheroes, action movies, popcorn movies. There are some things about this movie that I think are ridiculously stupid, and it's it's way too long. But, like, if you are the kind of person who would watch Venom on purpose... Uh, this movie's like a Venom, like it's enjoyable like a Venom movie, but it's actually kind of good. Like it's not just campy and stupid like Venom is. It's actually kind of good. So um, that's that's my overall feel after after it's over. Now let me tell you some of the things that are really stupid in this movie because I want to, uh, I love to like kind of trash on things. Okay, one, why is uh, Amber Heard's hair so red? Are they like really going for like an aerial vibe here or something? I, I felt don't, personally attacked. I don't understand. It is like... It's not like red in a normal way. It's, it looks cartoony. It's like cartoonish red. And I'm like, why is the um, the girl from Pineapple Express, why is her hair so red? And if you don't remember, she's from Pineapple Express. She's the high school she girlfriend. She was so good in that. <laughs> Seth Rogen, and she's so Here's funny. Here's the problem, Dale. Drug dealers are coming after me and my family. <laughs> Your addiction to marijuana. <laughs> okay. Um... At the beginning of the movie, they start off with this like um, it's 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 not Nic- Nicole Kidman aged down a little bit, and then um, uh, I think it's Temuera Morrison. Yep, uh, aged down a little bit, and they're they're like hooking up and stuff, and then and it's like tw- and then they do this scene, and it's it's longer than it needs to be, and then they show you know Nicole Kidman gets like arrested or whatever and sent back to the ocean. And then it's like fifteen years later. Wait, 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 hold on. I'm sorry. She gets arrested. She gets arrested. Does she get arrested by the human? You're cops? going to jail. No, no, you're a mermaid. No, you go so back. Like, 
uh, the Atlanteans come and they like she got deported to the they, ocean. Like, okay, yeah, they, like that makes fight sense. her and then she like fights a bunch of them they off. Built a seawall, but but she's like, I gotta go back to the ocean. You'll never be safe. So then she goes back to the ocean, and then with the best oxygen. Okay, so then the rest of the movie like centers around you know Jason Mimosa and his beautiful body, but but uh, he yeah they they also have like age nine. Jason Mimosa, age thirteen. Jason Mimosa, age sixteen. There's all these flashbacks, and I was all, worried about. They're that all different the... actors too, and they don't look like they're all Jason Mimosa. Let me start with that. <laughs> okay, if I look, if you look, if they, I hope they looked at source pictures of what he looked like, because I don't believe that Jason Momoa looked like that at those ages. But apparently, he did, according to the uh, the, the um, casting director. Casting director. So cool for them, I guess. Is it decent? Job they never acting? really explain why a New Zealand guy is the lighthouse keeper for a. Uh, in Maine, but you know that's that's fine. I'll just let it slide. Wait, was this a Stephen because, King movie? Okay, his skin color cool, was correct. Cool scene from the beginning of the movie that subverts your expectations. There's a part where so they Aquaman like blows up or saves a submarine, kills Black Manta, Manta's dad, and like does a bunch of stuff like that. Okay, and then he goes back to a bar and drinks with his dad, and his dad is like out drinking, and he's like, "That's my superpower. I can chug beers. Cool, right? Whatever." Then all these guys come up to Aquaman. And they're like, "Hey." Are you that Aquaman? And you're like, oh man, this is going to be one of those stupid scenes in a Superman movie where they try to fight Aquaman for no reason. But nope, they're like, cool, bro. And then they like take selfies and drink together. And it's like actually subvert your expectations. Kind of fun. I, there's stuff like that that like in this movie is pretty smart, right? Like that, like they do some things that are cool. Um, things that, another thing that was really bad though. Okay, every time there's move, music in this movie that has words, <laughs> so like um, they play like a Depeche, not the score. They play like a Depeche Mode song, a Sigur Rós song, every, uh, a, a Roy Orbison song. Every time they did that, the song took me out of the movie. Like it was like so aggressively, like either overly on the nose or just like a bad song, like a bad song for the scene. Like not like I liked Depe- that Depeche Mode song, but it was like corny that it was playing while Black Manta was fixing up his stuff. Like I was like, please. Go back to the score because the score is actually really excellent in this movie. Um, so yeah, I thought the Black Manta, the actor, was pretty good and he was doing a decent enough job. Um, yeah, he had a lot of fun during filming because a lot of comic fans wanted to see Black Manta's suit. Were they going to dumb it down for Hollywood? Or would he look like Black Manta? No, he looked like Black Manta. Well, they also sweet. they were like, "Are you going to do anything with the uh, you know the voice? Are you going to make him sound like you did on Super Friends?" And so he would tweet things like him doing the vocal work, you know, in a mic room and he would have a trash can right next to his mic. <laughs> yes. uh, he, he had a lot of fun with this. Yeah. And he also, he's like leaking the first black Manta picture tonight. And he'd put like trash can on his head. Black Manta so. looked X. Ex- okay. Here's one thing. The costumes in this movie all around 10 out of 10, like they crushed the costume set design, the colors palette, the special effects, all that stuff is like daggers. They killed that stuff. The, you know, Jason Momoa is a limited range actor. I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, well, he's playing, him, he's he's playing a, himself in the movie. He's playing, he's playing himself just like... That whole thing uh, you said about those guys coming up and saying, are you Aquaman? That may have just been the cameras were rolling and the people didn't know his real name. And they there, said, are you Aquaman? He said, set, yeah. There's a set story from this that I think is very Jason Momoa. And that's he, he would go around and Amber Heard had a special pocket sewn into her suit because she likes to read between scenes. Because a lot of times in these water scenes, they're just hanging around on wires for a long time. So she had them sew a special pocket into her her suit so she could take out a book and read it while she's just hanging on these wires. Very smart. Amber Heard, that's a cool story. Jason Momoa apparently would tear some pages out of the book 
to like mess with her. <laughs> which is just really the, mean, which is rude. just the broiest thing that that you could do. It's uh, that makes most, me not like him as much. It's the most broy thing he could do. Like yeah, so that's just like we read nerd, but you uh, love it when Gronk does you it. You're not gonna know what's gonna happen, <laughs> my man. <laughs> so uh, I can't wait until he plays a. Uh, uh, Ogre in the remake of Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, that's could happen. I mean, he did. They did do a Revenge of the Nerds knockoff on SNL when he hosted, and it was really funny. Uh, uh, and he was just like nerds. Like, that's correct. <laughs> grunting like so. Okay, um, he could play Gronk in the biopic. The <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to this. Why? Because it's too far in your wheelhouse. Are they going to make Gronk's dad uh, New Ze- from New Zealand for some reason? No, it's going to be the movie adaptation of a Gronking to remember. NC seventeen. Uh, th- I mean, they do. They did leave room for other stories. NSFL. There's definitely like a Black Manta is is still alive hook at the end that they go with. Um, even though it doesn't make sense why how that happened. Like it's just like there's no one would survive that. But okay. Um, so then, yeah, that's um. There's definitely planning for a sequel. So get ready. Um, Aquaman two, the Aquamaning. What was one of the. Uh, Warner Brothers' big money movies that actually recouped their money. Well, one well, thing if is, it was fun, would you say it was fun? Oh, this movie's fun. This movie then that makes it the second best DC. I'm movie. not gonna lie. Like, I rate superhero movies pretty harshly, and I think this is gonna be in like the better end of all superhero movies I've ever rated. Like, I'm gonna rate it a three or a three and a half, which for me wow. is a very high rating for a superhero movie because I generally think these movies are all kind of. Samey. Samey. There's something about this movie, the way it looks, that I think is very appealing. They did a really good job of, like, making things look good underwater. The costumes are awesome. The first time Aquaman comes out with the gold, uh, the gold trident and he's in, like, the, like, Aquaman suit, it looks cool. Like, you're, like, excited. It's, like, a really cool moment. And I thought, I didn't think I would think it was cool. I thought I would make fun of it. So, (laughs) so for me, I was like, okay, all right, they did it. They did a thing. Um, you know, it's a seven out of ten. It's it's not it's not gonna blow your doors off. And I, if the, if you were really against watching an Aquaman movie, I'd say still don't watch this, because there's nothing, there's nothing that's gonna convince you or win you over in this. Um, okay, a couple things too about Willem Dafoe in this movie. Okay, Willem, <laughs> Dafoe, Willem Dafoe's a little weird in this movie, man. I um I okay, he's all. He's not really acting very much for most of the movie, and then the times he does act, it's it's really awkward. So when like you, when you he's say he's of, not acting, you mean he's not in the movie much, or he's no, he's just, just like stone faced all the time and yeah. just like kind of reading the lines. And then and then there's this one scene at the end of the movie where um, Ocean Master and, and Aquaman are fighting. You know, it's like the fate of Atlantis is at stake, and Willem Dafoe is watching. And then and then he's like you know kind of watching and follow you following the beats or whatever. But he, since he's not really acting, he's barely moving his head. Uh, and then and then they cut back to him and. Aquaman does this move that earlier in the movie Willem Dafoe like doesn't teach him but like kind of does to him and he was like you'll know it when you're ready or something like that and then he does and Aquaman starts doing the move and it cuts back to Willem Dafoe and he's like doing that like slight green goblin smile like that small smile and then just like nodding and it just looks like really creepy like remember in Jack that Jack Nicholson nodding gif that everyone uses it's like that level of like weird like <laughs> it looks like he's about to like he's like not it's not like he's excited for Jason Momoa. It's like he's excited to take Jason Momoa back to bed with him after this is over. Like it's it's weird, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was I'm Ladies not. Know, Nathan Santo is scared of Willem Dafoe. I don't know, man. Willem Dafoe's like 65. I I think that maybe 
that was not an in, okay. That was just an interesting casting choice, to say the least. Like they picked a guy. Who I think was, they wanted star power. You have Momosa, who you don't have to pay very much to. Amber Heard isn't exactly a blockbuster actor. Uh, Willem Dafoe, Dolph Lundgren, these are all like well-known role players you can throw in. The guy they cast is Black Manta. Yaya, rest of his name I can't remember. Abdul Mateen. There you go. Another guy who's unknown. And then you have Patrick Wilson, kind of like every man's actor. He's in a lot of good stuff. But if I say to anybody's mother or a lot of other adults, hey, what do you think about the actor Patrick Wilson? They're, They're gonna... like, is that Owen's brother? Yeah. So I think that wow. they were <laughs> they were like, yeah, you know, we can afford Dafoe for this. Let's cast him as who knows what yeah i mean okay sure <laughs> why not so a compliment i'll pay to movies sometimes is that they picked really good people for kind of more bit roles that was a big uh up i had for black Klansman last year when we did the review on that they picked like steve buscemi they could have picked somebody besides steve buscemi for that character but it, but picking it him like, enhanced it it adds gravitas to the movie makes it seem like it matters more what i'm hearing from you is Putting Willem Dafoe in this role did not really enhance the role because of the way they used him. Dude, you can tell when Dafoe is trying. Like, look at watch John Wick or like watch um, Florida Project. Like, Florida Project, there, he acts his the, butt off in that there's, movie. There's, you could tell when he's trying. In this movie, I feel like he was like, "This movie's gonna pay for my house." You know what I mean? And cool, good for him. But it, it didn't, it didn't add anything. This is the for Willem me. Dafoe Christmas album. I kind of wish it was. <laughs> I kind of wish it was almost anyone else um okay cool bit part in this movie speaking of bit parts randall park plays dr uh, steven shin who's like this like guy a uh, guy who's obsessed with trying to find atlantis he's like and they show him in like these newsreel clips in the dirt throughout the movie where he's like i swear it's real I, like atlantis is real and then at the end he he find he like hooks up with black manta in the post credit scene um i don't know i thought i really love randall park and i hope that he's in the next movie a lot randall park is like one of my my guys, like I go hard for him. I want him to be in stuff, and I want him to be successful. So, there. That's a that's another cool uh, cool guy. He's in. I mean, he was in Ant Man. He's in a bunch of stuff. Uh, okay, uh, I think that's all it's I have to say. That's all I have to say about this movie. Uh, James Wan, good. It looks really good. It's fun. Um, you know, it was the fifth highest grossing grossing movie of 2018, and a 20th highest grossing movie ever. And I don't think that's, like, super unreasonable. It's, so it kind of ties into Godzilla. It was big, dumb, and fun. Yeah. This is what the new Godzilla movie should have been. <laughs> Dude, this movie looks so... I cannot stress to you how good this movie looks. Like, it looks so good. It's weird. I don't know. James Wan really killed that, uh, the visuals. And another thing, too, is, like, when they first showed Aquaman in the Batman vs. Superman, and you, they showed uh, Jason Momoa underwater, and you, it looked like he was, like, a guy holding his breath underwater. Yep. It didn't yeah. look good. <laughs> you were, it did not look... You are very clear about that. not bad look it looked good. That is a fact. This looked good. Every time they're underwater, it looks cool. Their hair looks really good. The way they're move, moving looks good. It just makes sense. They just did a really excellent job of putting this together. Um, so maybe you guys can uh, watch it this week and tell me how stupid I am next week. Um, <laughs> post-track, post-track, when they pulled... Uh, pulled cinema goers afterwards they said 82 percent positive score and 69 percent would definitely recommend it nice. to others so there you go um all right any other questions you guys any questions about aquaman you want to ask me anything like what i thought about x or what's it say about the sequel who are they going to use as the villain in the sequel besides black manta as the main black villain? manta will definitely be in it um ocean master didn't die so as as a comic book reader there was a there's a i don't know who they're bringing in as another villain there's a heck of dorky uh scene at the end where like ocean master was like kill me now i'm right here like arnold from uh predator and then uh he's like our people are not merciful and then 
you know, Aquaman looked right at him and was like, I'm not your people. Okay, cool, bro. You're you're from the you're from the surface. Got it. We, you didn't drive that home point for point home for the first two hours of the movie. Um, I mean, yeah, there's some dumb stuff in this movie that I just forgot to bring up, but you know, it's so long that I uh, that I kind of just let it washed out. Yeah, two forty or two twenty is a long. That's a long. By the way, movie. they're that's doing a movie. They're doing a horror spinoff that Juan is producing called The Trench. Um, that focuses on the like amphibious monsters in the movie. I've heard that, but uh, I don't know if that's gonna fly. I don't know how good it will be, but it'll probably be low budget. So I, I, you know what I mean? Like it'll be some kind of low budget superhero adjacent movie. Uh, the sequel, in for sequel information, um, they have the beginning for a sequel written. Um, Momoa was part of pitching it and writing it, so that's interesting. Um, oh man! And yeah, they signed the co-writer, one of the co-writers for the first <laughs> film. This film has a release date, December sixteenth, twenty twenty-two. So there you go. Um, May come out before there's, Wonder Woman there's 84. Ton, there's tons of room in this movie for, for more. But, Eric, you said there's not good Aquaman villains for them to go to after this? I mean, they honestly, like, I like the two villains to start it off and, like, you know, kind of tease one. But they use both. And, I mean, unless you want to get this, pretty obscure. They only lightly used Black Manta. Like, he's in the movie a couple times. He has a good solid amount of screen time. He's not, like, a straight-up cameo. He's more than that. He's but like an introduction. They right? left. They left a lot of room for more Black Manta. If I'll that's tell you where this: go. as a uh, comic book dork, the Black Manta storylines, Aquaman's never been dark, but Black Manta's pretty dark. And I, I just don't think like a lot of these like King like King Shark's not going to work in 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 a movie like that. I, just, I don't know, man. I, I was going to say, who are they going to bring in King Shark? Because I think he could work. It you, sounds how, ridiculous. How do you do a Shark Man underwater? I've seen the mer people in this movie. It's possible. Maybe that'll be like the support villain in this one. They yeah. have him on for a bit. They could make him look really cool. I mean, King Shark is just... It's such a weird villain. I mean, oh, yeah. he's, in, he's in the Arrowverse, isn't he? Isn't he in, like, the TV show? Yeah. Is he good? He looks is he pretty, good? No, he looks pretty dumb. I haven't watched that show in years, but... Oh, yeah. I, I see him looking at a picture of it right now. It looks horrible. There you go. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's TV budget right there. Okay. All right. Well, maybe they can make it good. I don't know. Maybe they just make like an Aquaman movie where with like Lex Luthor in it or something. You know what I mean? Like they do like some kind of crossover thing. They're working on that Legion of Doom. I could see that. Like, like they're going against Lex Luthor, and then like, but he's like manipulating King Shark into doing stuff against against Aquaman or something. I don't know. I don't write TV. Sh- I don't write movies. I'm not. That's not my job. I just talk about them on a football podcast (laughs) (laughs) all right for eric gronovec for kevin garber we will see you next week go hawks